Hey, Max. Josh. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got really bored of my uh, I got bored of my normal. Hey, Josh. Uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I'm change it up a little bit. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. I'm tired, but I'm drinking coffee. Yeah, I bet you're tired. You just came off of a week long Broadway run, didn't you? Yep. With one day to learn the show. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that sounds like so much work. How long's the the show? It's like a three hour show or something like that. That's like two and a half, I think. Oh, something good like gravy. That. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it was like 37 songs or something. Oh my gosh. That's, yeah. It's a great show, though. Um, if anyone's ever seen it, it's called Hades Town. It's a okay. wonderful, wonderful show. It, is it still playing? Uh, well, they're down in Portland now, I think. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. That's not what our podcast today is about. Though. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> uh, our guest this month is Rob Homan, who is the pianist and keyboardist in High Pulp. Uh, this yep. Seattle-based seven-piece collective of a band. And their music is incredibly difficult to categorize. It, they refuse to be put in a box. And there's elements from their website says bebop, punk rock, shoegaze, hip-hop, electronic music, experimental jazz. And there's I definitely heard more on this record. And yeah. so just if you don't really- know what shoegaze is, listen <laughs> to it. Because yeah. I'm still not totally sure what that means. But, you know, <laughs> we'll, figure, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well... Let's start talking to Rob. Let's bring him in. Cool. Rob, how's it going? Hey, Josh. What's up, Max? How you doing? I'm good. Welcome <laughs> back from the woods. <laughs> yeah. Just got out of the woods. My girlfriend and I do a backpacking trip uh, every summer, at least one, usually right around our anniversary. Nice. Um, it's not as well timed this year. We're, we're usually trying to dodge the fireworks because our dog is terrified of them. Mm, legit. Yeah yeah you guys well, go around here um we we've changed it up we were just at this um ooh, should i say it was a good spot um oh yeah don't, like, don't just <laughs> don't nope don't tell anybody <laughs> yeah i just got it got past no call me pass got up there in the mountains been gone nice. for three days yeah so awesome we're here to talk about your work with high pulp and i'm excited to talk about high pulp in particular because I remember about five years ago, I think it was September or something like that. In 2017, I saw High Paul play at the Royal Room opening for Ghost Note. And I think Nth Power was the other band. And it was a fantastic show. I really had a great time. I was there because I wanted to see Ghost Note because I hadn't heard about High Pulp yet, uh, but was just pretty blown away. Y'all had a great sound. And now it's like, what, five years later, there's two full records, a bunch of EPs and singles, and so much band history has happened now. So I want to rewind even past maybe earlier than 2017 and ask you, how did this band get started? I think you're pretty much already at the beginning with that one. Um, That was maybe in a certain sense, our first real show. Whoa. Um, I wish I'd seen that show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did a good good lineup too. Um, But yeah, Royal Room was something of like a home base for us um, or, Mm. or still is um, because there was funk church uh, as we called it back then. I don't think we really look at ourselves as much of a funk band now, Um, but it was every Wednesday uh, like Bobby and Antoine and Scott and Garrick were hosting this jam session. And, and uh, that was kind of how everything came together. People would see it. And then, um, you know, hey, if you got the invite out to rehearsal, great. And then at a certain point, it was kind of just whoever was 
showing up at rehearsal twice a week was the people who was earning their stripes um, to keep being a part of it going forward. And I, re- I even remember after that Royal Room show that you just talked about, Josh, like yeah. Victory told us after the show that it, it was his first show ever. No sax player Victory. way. It was like, you're kidding. Hey guys, Whoa. I didn't tell you, but that was my first show ever. <laughs> we were all like, what? wait, like first, first performance or like first show. He, he, he really, um, it was like maybe 2016 or 2017 when he picked up tenor sax. And, and I think oh, that wow. was his first instrument. And he is, he is the wildest multi-instrumentalist at this wait, point. Wait, 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 wait. He played that show after a year of playing music and nothing before that? I don't know if I'm getting the exact amount of time right, but yeah, it was like one or two years. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's he sounded amazing then and <laughs> like sounds even better now. That's pretty mind-blowing. Oh, his yeah, his whole journey has been probably the most inspiring thing I've ever seen. Um there's been a lot of like tutelage underneath Andy, our alto player. Mm. Um, but especially like pandemic time frame, Victory just like went wild in and uh, he's got he's got trombone and trumpet chops now too. I'm, oh I'm starting to gosh. think these days he's a better flute player than tenor, but don't even need to compare. We just have all the above available. He's also gotten deep into the Euro rack stuff, which you don't see it on display with high pulp. Antoine's got that Euro rack modular synthesis stuff going on with high pulp. Yeah. But Victory is super talented with that and synthesizers as well. Yeah, he's Incredible. dedicated. He is ascended. Wow. Yeah, I was listening. To, I, I don't remember what track it was on this record, but there was a trumpet solo at some point, And it wasn't one of the ones there was a guest artist on. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember high pulp having a trumpet player. And I was looking at the liner notes on Bandcamp and saw Victory's name there and with a huge stack of horns after that name. And was was like, what? there's there's even more that's incredible yeah i want to say it was flugelhorn on inner crooner i think that's him mm-hmm. and he's playing some more brass on the next one too oh fantastic oh so there's another one coming up we'll we'll get to that don't let <laughs> us forget to ask you about the this new record that you've just alluded to so we're here to talk about the latest record which is relatively new called pursuit of ends and it's out on a label called anti-records the first record called Bad Juice was 2018, I believe, was an indie release, if I remember right. And just kind of curious how you got connected with this label. And since you've been on this label for the second record, how has that changed things for the band? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of history in that. Um, you're right. Bad Juice was an indie release at first. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of through some stuff we had put out. I think maybe he found a YouTube video, of this guy who runs a small, but awesome boutique label called King underground. Gotcha. Um, found it, ended up remastering and re-releasing bad juice on like a two disc LP and hmm. the mutual attraction series volume one, two and three. When we first started making those, we just thought those were going to be like cool YouTube videos because, you know, we're recording them and performing them live and there's a video that goes with it. Mm. Um, And so we're already well underway with that when when somebody, I think it was either Dan or Bobby, our drummer, um, who had the idea like, oh, what if I just wax those two? So um, we did all that stuff with King Underground. I think that really helped set up now getting on board with anti- um, 
a label that's that's been around a while longer and is just like right there in Los Angeles and very entrenched. And I think they'd make a lot of smart decisions. We're really happy to work with them. And and I think like as far as how that's like changed things for the band, it's just like access to more resources more than anything hmm. else. And what kind of resources? There's all kinds of just like like oh, hey, we're, we're a band. We got to release an album. Like, how do we promote this? Like, somehow we have to make the music and figure that out. Oh, wait, there's like a team of people who think about that at Anti, right? That's just like one example. Sure. There's expertise there. There's a network there. There's contacts there. And then, you know, funding and those sorts of things. So, I mean, it's kind of like business as usual in some regards. We're just trying to make the best music we can. And yeah, I think the label just helps take care of logistics, helps you keep you focused on the music. That's the gist of it, I think. That's pretty cool. I've heard a lot of different experiences with different labels. Like some yeah. are way more involved than others and some are kind of take on different roles. But it sounds like this one's pretty cool to work with. Oh, yeah. I think Anti is really special. That's awesome. They've got they've got that network because they're owned by Epitaph, but they still operate on their own. You don't feel like lost in the mix like like you could in some other places, you know? Mm. Yeah, That's really great. Well, we've talked a little bit about this record. How about we let our listeners take a listen to some of it? Yeah. We're going to check out the first track on Pursuit of Ends, and this is called Ceremony.
Rob, I love this music. It's taken me a few listens through this record to kind of like put together a full picture in my head of how I want to view this music, but it really tells a lot of different stories, um, in my opinion. And this song is a pretty good example of that, I think. And it's just kind of like this, the way that, the way that you guys are able to kind of bring in different sounds and have a really organic feeling kind of form, if, if you want to think of it that way, it's really cool. And I love just what you guys have done. This is like, I don't even know how I would, I would categorize this music if I was going to try to do that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just like totally telling one of the coolest musical stories I might've heard in a long time. That's, that's kind of what it's feeling like to me. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic sound. And yeah. What, what is this actually about? Tell us about it. Yeah. Right on. Well, first the thing you just said there, you don't even know how to categorize this music. Oh my God. There's probably no bigger compliment to uh, uh, myself and many of us <laughs> in the band, I think. Cause yeah, there's, there's something uh, that cuts underneath all this where like always trying to like push against mm-hmm. the boundaries of the box or like just squarely put mm-hmm. ourselves outside of the box. Um, that shows. And we, get categorized as, as jazz in a lot of places and that's cool and, and, uh, everything. But, uh, we're feeling like we're, we're trying to be, uh, yeah, like you said, uncategorized, which, so that's really cool. And then it kind of, yeah, it, it kind of, that kind of touches on something in its own right, which I think is kind of interesting is like one thing I think specifically about this album. And I think it's really on display in ceremony is it's like, is there a single generic, like non innovative drum beat anywhere on this whole record. I, I don't know that I've been able to find one. Um, and I think that's part of the like writing process that I saw Bobby really come to this with. Like there's always some kind of unexpected twist to what he's doing. So I think that like underbelly, that's like really strong connective tissue. And I think kind of exemplifies that spirit. I was just curious, uh, you mentioned Bobby, uh, does he write all of this music or is it kind of a collective writing process? What does that look like? Great question. Great question. Um, so it's always been collective and the process is varied. And I think we almost like do try to vary it on purpose from record to record because we yeah. know it's going to affect the sound differently. Mm. Um, this one, it was kind of the situation necessitated a remote recording situation um i'm kind of proud of this i got everything working so dropbox was doing the heavy lifting of synchronizing an ableton project across everyone's wow. computers oh whoa. and then it was like somebody could work on this song and it was just automatically there for somebody else to pop into it later most of these tracks kind of looked like everybody was submitting ideas in a box and then bobby kind of like went through and started you know, working together. We were on the phone a lot. What's the form of this one going to be? Let's like lock it in, start locking in these time signature changes, agreeing on that so that we can get the grid all there. The horns got recorded kind of piecemeal. And then there was kind of a whole pass of um, me, especially just like charting them back out from the demo and then really analyzing them and then re-recording them. And at different stages, the layers of keyboards from Antoine and myself to kind of tie it all together somewhere in the process, having to reach out to the different featured artists on the record 
and send them files so that they could record along with. That was the process. What comes first? Like, what's the first thing that you guys would lay down? On this one, it was either a drum groove usually or like some keyboard part that Antoine did. Antoine and Bobby really got like kind of a front loaded head start on some of these. And a lot of, so a lot of things expanded around some seed material that they did. That's so cool. For this one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's also a gargantuan amount of work to, to arrange that way distribute it like it's one thing to arrange with a bunch of people together in a room that's already a lot of work uh but to send things back and forth and talk about really gnarly time signature changes over the phone is sounds really difficult to me but that's incredible that you all pulled it off that's yeah on this last one we like couldn't even agree on like where the one was (laughs) like that happens all the time in this band oh my god we're like okay fine we'll just hear it in different spots okay cool Whoa. (laughs) Interesting. Well, you talked about a little bit, uh, you and Antoine Martel, uh, both playing synthesizers and keyboards and most bands, I think that have keyboards only have one person playing that role. And just kind of curious how you manage to stay out of each other's way. And what are the discussions that you're having to make sure that you're not clashing? Right on. I think in a lot of ways, the the concepts that I would use with myself, plus there's a guitar player in the band, like any other right. type of instrument like that, that's going to be in that similar rhythmic, harmonic, melodic combination of spaces and, and accompanying. You can use a lot of those same tools. So but then but then we also have a guitarist. So, um, (laughs) so then there's just like, there's kind of like three people in the keyboard and or guitar. Right. So then, so I almost think it's like across the three people. And what happens is if you like a couple people are just like more predictable, sometimes it's because it's like very textural shoegazy mindset to it. Or if somebody's like just getting very like sound effects oriented, then like, you know, you're still like adding these subtle things to the mix, but um, you're predictable. And then that leaves like one or sometimes two of those rhythm section people to be a little more like improvisational in their comping or something like that. that makes um, so you just you use your ears a lot, right? The classic yeah. use your ears kind of answer. It's been helped lately on some... On some level, not always, but like on some level, because Antoine's really been specializing on this modular synthesis stuff. And I've always had this like gravitation towards um, some of the traditional like, you know, Rhodes, especially grand piano, some B3 stuff. Although I also love synthesis, too. Um, Mm -hmm. That's added a little bit of like understanding of what directions we're going to. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, speaking of you loving synthesizers, I, I, yeah, I've seen you play synthesizers fantastically, uh, both in this band and, and other projects. I got to watch the KEXP live session video that Hypult played right off of a, I think, uh, I can't remember how many week tour. And both of you have so many toys on stage. It looks <laughs> like a lot of fun. And I'm just really curious if you ever trade or overlap on the instruments you're playing or is there just like these are Antoine's synthesizers these are Rob's synthesizers and you never play each other's instruments or how does that work out 
<laughs> yeah, there hasn't been any of any of that, but I think that would be cool. I think that might be in our future. Nice. So far, so far, we've kind of had the had the tools we need in our own rigs, and uh, this this last tour, we were gone about two months, and uh, there were a lot of like not always, but some of the stages were a little little tighter. It was a lot of mm. our first visits to cities, especially on the East Coast. So sure. there wasn't even a lot of maneuverability on stage to get over to the other keyboards sometimes. But uh, yeah, it was great. We, we um, like the first day we were back in Seattle. Well, some people flew back from our last show in New Orleans, but there was like a night shift crew that like just drove the bus back for four days. And then the next day <laughs> we got to do KXP, tour tight, try to make a good video. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's, really. a, it's a really, really great set. So speaking of more about this live session, um, I noticed that there was a different bassist and guitarist in that KXP live show than there is on the record. And I'm curious if Kaylee Earl, the bass player, and Trevor Ulau, uh, the guitar player on the KXP show, were part of that tour also? Yeah, they were. Yeah, so they're they're out there touring with us. The guitarist and bass player that we uh, used to work with, they just like got to a certain point where they're like, I don't think I can do the tour lifestyle. So just like very amicably took a step back and, and uh, we're super blessed to have Kaylee and Trevor. They were awesome. Really rose to the occasion. The chemistry is incredible. Uh, I'm really proud of both of them. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's also sounds like there's probably a lot of music for them to have learned probably fairly quickly to, pull off a tour of the size too right yeah they had to do some heavy lifting and they're they're not easy tunes either i don't think um Mm -hmm. i think some of us were even struggling to get them ready in time yeah that's that's really great we talked a little bit earlier before listening to ceremony that um high pop's got a series of a bunch of singles and eps that came out during 2020 and 2021 and uh yeah I know that a lot of the studio recording stuff comes from, or sorry, a lot of these uh, pandemic era recordings comes from remote recording, like you talked about earlier. But I'm curious how you all managed to have enough energy to keep that kind of output up while all of this is going on. So many groups uh, end up maybe putting out like one or record or like an EP or something, but there's, there's, this band had a lot of output those two years. And does that also to, to piggyback on that, is that something that the label has something to do with, or is that just totally a creative decision on your part? Yeah. Yeah. Good questions. Um, I think like just generally speaking, it was, it's, it's cause we're, I mean, the way I feel about it is, is we just stay so hungry in some sense. It, it it feels like every next like thing we get done and get to put out, it, it kind of like unlocks like another level of places we can go and, uh, you know, another level of, of people who might be interested and willing to collaborate with us, which, which we love. Um, so I think mostly it's just like coming from our own energy and, and I'll tell you like for sure, I, I struggled with like, some like depression type of <laughs> related things. Oh, yeah. And I mean, just the pandemic was really rough for me. I, I feel like I was born to play live music. I, I feel like I was put on this earth to do it. And and I love studio recording too, but especially live music. Um, so for that to just be on this like indefinite pause was, was really tough. So I, for me, it was really like 
energy from other people in the band and kind of accountability to keep like putting a foot in front of the next and keep going. Um, and then, yeah, to your question, Max, um, I don't, I don't think like the, it really had anything to do with the label. It was all kind of stuff that we already had in motion. And so, yeah, I think, I think it was just kind of where we were already headed and, and we were just glad to find somebody that wanted to help fund printing it to vinyl and distributing it and all that. Very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm really jealous of your guys writing process. <laughs> Sounds super yeah. fun. Pretty, pretty fantastic. It just takes like a committed group of individuals and like anybody can do it. Yeah. That's like the hardest totally. thing to find really so. mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's uh, take a listen to maybe a little bit more music here. Let's do it. We're hoping to check out a ring on each finger. Another track on this really fantastic record.
Wow. This tune is a freaking symphony. It goes through these like incredible movements of stuff. I really love how it starts out with this big old horn, I think, plus other instruments too, choir of like really, really wide sounding spaced out chords. It's so gorgeous. And then that flute solo and there's then, then it moves through like this really incredible drum feature, or at least that's what really stands out to me for a section. And, and then it keeps going with more and more stuff. It's, uh, I know we already talked about writing process, but I'm just really, yeah, curious how this one in particular came together and also, uh, what, where the title of this tune came from. Yeah. The, the whole kitchen sink, a ring on each finger. It's kind of, to me, it's kind of like this song was just like happy accidents all over the place. (laughs) The way it is a bit of an odyssey means like, you know, different, different pieces of it came from different brains. I think that corral thing at the beginning was coming out of my brain. Um, whereas like the stuff at the end was kind of like some classic, like the way Bobby and Antoine write stuff. Sure. Um, and a lot of the horn stuff in the middle really like came from like melodically speaking from Andy and Vic's mind. So there's like just a lot of everybody on this one. Plus um, what I really, really like is, there's all these different Seattle musicians who helped us with tracking this yeah. um, when we needed some uh, extra special sauce on the horns. So I think they're all participating in that corral. Like Jerome's playing tuba, Jerome Smith mm-hmm. and Greg Kramer on trombone and Isaac Poole on trombone. We got help from both of them on the record. And Alex Dugdale, who you heard on Ceremony, yeah. playing that ripping tenor sax solo on this chorale as well. I think I remembered everybody. I hope I did. So I think like it kind of, I like I like how it, it has kind of everything. It's very maximalist and it sits right there in the middle of the record. Um, so, it's a cool one. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Bobby lives in LA now. Is that right? Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about your writing process where you can kind of Dropbox Ableton things here and there and, and put stuff together like that. How does that differ from like in-person rehearsing? Because I'm assuming that most of what you guys do now is kind of split between cities. So probably is a lot of what you do kind of via this kind of Dropbox Ableton method. Or do you guys actually get together? Yeah, it is, it is right now. We did this. He, they everybody was still up in Seattle when this record was coming together, yeah. but we were just like all locked down, so we still weren't seeing each other. Um, so having that in place was actually kind of cool because it, it it freed us up to like um, go make a go make a life change like Bobby did, move to LA, which has been really amazing for us. Um, as a side note, to have somebody who's like so connected um, to different happenings in the music industry down there. Flip side is uh, we had an edge from like religious to times a week rehearsal that I do miss a lot. Like um, we have to kind of plan our tours where there's like a few days before the tour starts where we get together to rehearse and you got to like really get stuff down on your own. Yeah, that works. But um, it's it's not quite as exciting for me. And then, you know, there's something about like the way everybody's not together performing some of the songs that we're recording there there's like ups and downs to that as well like with this style you get to really like it's weird in this day and age you can control like 
every moment of every instrument with all the production in the world you want. And it's like really interesting that you can make this piece of art and, and just like control every moment in time. So detailed, but also like what these albums don't have is they don't have like, Hey, we learned these songs and then we toured on them because we couldn't tour on them because it was a pandemic. So uh, that type of album that you get where maybe you write songs and then you go play them out for a while and then you get in a studio and record them. I, 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 I hope one of those is also in our future too. Cause I think this is cool. And I, I just like, it's all cool basically. Um, and I'm just, everything's got ups and downs. I want to do it all. <laughs> so I just have one, one last quick question about this rehearsal recording process. Cause it's so interesting to me. Uh, so do you guys, like so you have you start with uh, like i say a drum track or a keyboard idea or something kind of lay that down and then you sort of layer on ideas people kind of send ideas in and then it all gets added to the mix and then eventually are there like does bobby or, or somebody kind of make a final call on where everything fits together and then does that get sent back out to everybody and so they can practice it or is it like is it just kind of rehearsed when you guys do get together before a tour like how it actually all comes together. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the above, like at a certain point there was a final call on like, okay, this is done and we're going to export all the stems and off to the person who's mixing the record. And then that kind of formed the basis of like, this is the canonical version of the song. And so everybody should show up ready for tour knowing this canonical version of the song. And then we, can start brand if if everybody knows it well enough we can start getting weird with it but only once that starts happening and in some cases that was right away in other cases that was like into the tour a little bit Mm. it's so interesting yeah (laughs) yeah fascinating like it well we talked a bit about some of the seattle guests um in the horn section that was great to hear all these familiar names but this record also features a bunch of people that are outside of Seattle. So keyboardist Jacob Mann, uh, who's from the LA scene, I believe. Theo Croker on trumpet yep. from New York. Brandy Younger on harp. Jaleel Shaw on alto saxophone. Uh, and there's also a previous single uh, that's not on this record with trumpeter Takuyo Kuroda from Japan on Motel Money. How are you getting connected to all these phenomenal musicians that are outside of the Seattle scene being a Seattle band? I know uh, you've now mentioned that Bobby lives in LA and I wonder if maybe that's the LA connection, but there's more here. What's where are all these connections coming from? Yeah. The, and all this happened before he moved too. So um, really it was just reaching out to people on Instagram, being lucky enough to get a, a reply to that. No way. Um, sending, sending a demo and, them going yeah okay yeah i like that one i'll 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 do that and and uh it's just that that dumb luck of of uh you can reach out to anybody on instagram can you get through the kind of you know noise that everybody out there is experiencing to actually be something that they take a look at and and maybe it'll happen oh that's pretty phenomenal are some of these musicians showing up to guests on tour at all, or is that something you, you might hope for in the future? You think it hasn't happened yet, but uh, we we're ready. We, we would fully embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. We got to land in their city or something <laughs> when they're not also like gone on tour. Mm-hmm. That was the issue. 
in, in one or two cases on this past tour. Yeah, that's great. Well, this is a fantastic record. I've enjoyed it very much so all the way through. I second that. But <laughs> yeah, but at the beginning of this uh, interview, you kind of hinted at a new record coming up, and I want to hear about this. What's What's going on with that? Yeah, I, what can I say about this so far? It's kind of like under wraps Uh-oh. a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're working pretty hard on it. I'm not going to say much about the sound or what we're going for. I'm just going to say that that it's in the works, and, and we hope it's every bit as special as Pursuit of Ends. Oh, I'm sure it will be. Uh, any <laughs> any word on when this we might be able to hear something like this, or is that still under wraps too? Yeah, I when it's done it's done you know <laughs> fair enough but but we're deep we're deep in the process on it it's like i'm working really hard on it this summer and and bobby and andy uh, and antoine have already put a lot of a lot of work into it so far so we're just like deep in the weeds of big like editorial decisions on it right now mm. so we're figuring it out i had one last question here about your record um, and that was about the art. Yeah. Where does that come from? Like the album oh, art. Check out, check out Robert Beatty and that's spelled B E A T T Y. Okay. Um, he's done tons of record covers. Um, the one, the one I knew was Tame Impala. Oh, what record was that? But yeah, just look up Robert Beatty and just check it out. It's it's amazing stuff. Check out his Instagram. What what made you go with him as an artist? Man, I just like constantly got to tip my hat to Bobby for paying attention to just like artists of all different, you know, you know, whether it's visual artists or musicians or all this different stuff. Like he puts in a lot of time and effort. It, it must be extremely fun for him. I'm to like really just keep his ear to the ground. So it, it was, it was his idea based on uh, how, the, how the music we had made felt and what, what he thought would fit uh, the sound and the, and the style. So cool. um, yeah. And now uh, we got, you can check out on highpolmusic.com. There's a t-shirt that Robert Beatty designed similar kind of style that, that we just made up and, uh, uh, it looks awesome. So you can check it out there. That's awesome. Very cool. That's great. What's the website? Highpultmusic.com. That's the place to go. Great. Yeah. Are there other places that our listeners should be aware of to find out more about what's going on with High Pulp and where to listen to y'all? Check it out on all the streaming platform, of course. The record's available on our website. It's available on Bandcamp. Our handle everywhere is High Pulp Music. So you're going to stay most up to date. If you just give us a follow on Instagram, uh, you can drop a follow, uh, for Rob, the sound bank. That's my personal, cause I can't resist a good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on some music of my own, nothing ready to release yet, but that'll, that'll be where you can, uh, keep tabs on the action for that. Great. Awesome. Oh, I cannot believe you're working on two intense, heavy hitting records at the same time. That's, that's quite a lot to to work on. Yeah. 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 Try my best. That's fantastic. Well, we're coming up uh, on time here. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a fantastic record. I very much enjoy it. And I know Max did yeah. too. Um, 
Thanks yeah. for joining us. Thank you for joining yeah. us. Yeah, right on. Uh, last thing I want to throw in the mix before we sign off here is you can check us out on October 6th Ooh. at Chop Suey. There we go. That's going to be our next Seattle nice. show. Oh, fantastic. We'll All need right. to watch out for that. All right. Thank you again, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. All right. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's been a blast. <laughs>